Hello and welcome back to Koala Moon, a podcast of original children's bedtime stories and meditations designed to make bedtime a dream. We've had a flurry of new joiners lately, and so tonight I'm saying a big hello to Boston Butler listening in Dubai, Austin and Kendall from Arizona, siblings Kai and Maya, Zoe, Ella and mum Susan in Australia, and Sailor Janelle. Welcome all of you to the Coco Club, the most inclusive, exclusive club in town. Doesn't matter if you're two or 92, you're welcome here and we just hope you love finding some new favourites from the huge number of premium stories now available to you. You never know, tonight's could be your brand new favourite. I think it's brilliant and clever and you will definitely learn a new word. When we get to it, you'll know exactly what I mean. And if I'm wrong and you do know this word, please write in and tell me when you first heard it and who told it to you. I'm pretty confident you'll be able to remember because it's so unusual and memorable. Before we begin, a quick message for the grown-ups. If you'd like to support our podcast, enjoy ad-free listening, unlock four bonus stories per month and much, much more, you can join Coco Club. Subscribe in just two taps via the link in the show notes. But now, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Anyway, more of that in a minute. First, please jump into bed if you aren't there already and get thinking about relaxing, just relaxing. Relaxing your legs and shoulders and arms and back and, well, everywhere really. Just breathe and relax. Breathe and relax. There we go. You keep breathing and relaxing. And I'm going to start this lovely tale. It's set in a hospital in Sleepy Forest, and it's called the Boo Boo Zoo. There are a couple of animals in there who would usually be awake when the other one was sleeping, and sleeping when the other one was awake. And they've begun a friendship that would change their sleeping habits forever. This is Cyril and Blaze and the Boo Boo Zoo by Jane Thomas. Have you ever noticed that some words are soft and smooth? Words like billowing and mellow or moonlight and eiderdown. It doesn't matter if you know what the words mean, it's just that they sound gentle when you hear them. Other words come with a little bit of magic just by saying them. Words like twilight and enchanted or stargazing and milky way. They send our minds dancing in new directions, making us remember the beauty of the stars in the sky and the soft glow of a full moon rising slowly above a sleeping world. And... There are other words that sound horrible and awkward and sort of out of place, as if their meaning was mixed up with that of another word, and all the dictionaries in the world are filled with mistakes. This story is about one of those words, only it's such a terrible word that we're only going to say it just the once to get it out of the way. The meaning of it is extraordinarily beautiful, And that's what makes it such a difficult word to like. 
I'll try and explain. Did you know that artists have a golden hour? The golden hour comes at both ends of the day, during those moments of dusk and dawn, when the sun is casting a soft light across the world. The golden hour is when everything is at its most beautiful, when the ferns have started unfurling in the morning, when the dew still glistens on the grass, and in the evening, when the birds know it's time to start returning to their nests. Some animals come out at night, and other animals come out during the day. And yet more animals emerge during these golden hours, when the world is dressed in those soft lights of dusk and dawn. And do you know what word is given to these animals? Crepuscular. There, I've said it, that horrible-sounding word that doesn't quite belong with its meaning. I'll say it one more time, so you can be sure you've heard it, and then I'll never mention it again. Crepuscular. And this is the story of how some animals came to love the hours of twilight, of dusk and dawn, and how they chose to live their lives in the golden hours. The story begins in a hospital, set deep in the heart of Sleepy Forest. It's a beautiful cottage hospital, with roses and jasmine outside all the windows, so their scent pours into the rooms and instantly makes everyone within feel a little bit better. All sorts of animals come here to be treated by the wise creatures who work day and night to get them back on their feet. One day, a fox injured his front leg. It was entirely his own fault. He was more than happy to admit that, for he had just been showing off, trying to jump from the highest boulder he could. Only he had climbed too high and landed awkwardly, twisting his leg as his paws met the ground. He was put in a bed by the window in a long room filled with beds that were in turn filled with different animals. The fox felt very sorry for himself indeed, because he was a young fox, who loved being outside and playing with his family and friends. He longed to be back in the woods, leaping over fallen trees and hiding in the long grasses. One of his favourite ways to pass a few hours was to find a feather and see how long he could keep it from falling to the ground. He would balance the feather on his nose and push it up into the air and tap it with his tail to keep it spinning in the air or pat it with his paw to send it flying up again. The fox could lie on his back and dabble the feather back and forth between his front two paws for longer than any other fox he knew. Every time he looked at his leg, wrapped in a solid cast of gleaming white plaster, he sighed. It felt as if he'd been in hospital forever, waiting for his bones to knit themselves back together. The fox had been in the hospital a whole week when the squirrel was installed in the bed opposite. The squirrel had injured one of his arms, and he, too, was feeling very sorry for himself. In fact, the squirrel felt so sorry for himself that he didn't even notice the fox in the bed across the room. Instead, he just turned his back to the room, his face to the wall, and stared at a mark on the paintwork. It took a hospital food disaster to get them talking. 
The fox received his bowl of something alarming looking. The chef was normally outstanding and came up with some wonderful concoctions that made the days that little bit more interesting. But this time, he'd gone too far. What was it on the plate? Outside, right now, were the juiciest berries of the year just waiting to be eaten by him. He thought of all the plump blackberries, with their deep purple shine pouring from the hedgerows. He thought of the blueberries, their little dusky cases filled to bursting with juice. The pink of the raspberries, the red of the strawberries, all the hawthorn bushes, or the blackthorn bushes. The fox thought of a whole rainbow of colours that he could and should be eating, and he pushed the bowl of grey stodge away. The squirrel was presented with the same bowl of something that looked like nothing he'd ever seen before. It was as if the chef had decided to take a soup for starter, a sandwich for the main course, and an enormous blancmange for the dessert, and poured them all into the same single bowl. The nurse confirmed his suspicions. He's called it the triple triumph, she said, holding back a giggle. Good luck. The squirrel thought of all the nuts he could be gathering right now, piling into holes in the ground and storing them away for the long winter months. He thought of the delicious, crisp bite of an acorn, and that feeling of finding a shining sweet chestnut that glistened and gleamed with promise. He thought of all the hazelnuts and beech nuts and walnuts his friends and family would be finding right at that very moment. And he groaned to himself as he looked at the something grey and stodgy. He too pushed the bowl away. The hedgehog nurse, who came by for the evening, tutted at both the fox and the squirrel as she picked up their untouched bowls of food. Well, aren't you a pair, she said kindly, smiling at them both. I'll see if I can find you something else, she whispered, bustling away with her trolley of bowls and spoons and cups and trays with a wink in her eye and a skip in her step. The fox looked across at the squirrel, and for the first time, the squirrel looked across at the fox. Do you think she'll find something? asked the fox. The squirrel shrugged. Imagine if she found some berries, said the fox, licking his lips. The squirrel sat up a little. Oh, imagine if she found some nuts, said the fox, giving the squirrel a knowing look. The squirrel sat bolt upright and looked intently at the fox. Do you think she might? he asked. Well, it will either be nuts and berries, or I reckon we'll get the same weird thing back with a blob of jam in the middle. My bet is on the jam. The fox said it in such a way that the squirrel couldn't help but laugh. He waved shyly across the space between the beds. I'm Cyril, he said.
and then, for something else to say, pointed to his bright white arm and said, Broken arm, my fault. And I'm Blaze, said the fox. Pleased to meet you. He raised his bandaged leg. Broken leg, definitely my fault. Cyril and Blaze laughed at that, and by the time the hedgehog returned, with two bowls of triple triumph generously covered in a layer of thick raspberry jam that she hoped would work as an adequate disguise, the two were so deep in conversation, they barely noticed what was on their spoons as they ate and talked, ate and talked. The hedgehog smiled to herself as she trotted away, relieved that the two creatures had at last stopped feeling sorry for themselves and had remembered there was more to life than a broken arm or leg. It turned out that Cyril and Blaze lived very close to each other in Sleepy Forest, but of course they had never met before, because Cyril spent his nights sleeping and his days having fun, whereas Blaze spent his days sleeping and his nights out enjoying himself. By the time the head nurse, a very gentle rabbit named Sister Lola, came to do the final rounds for the day and read the roomful of young animals a bedtime story, Cyril and Blaze were jumping from bed to bed and seeing who dared jump the highest. Back in your beds, Sister Lola said, only a little bit sternly because she was so pleased to see that they had last made friends. Did you learn nothing from breaking your arm and your leg already? Come, back in your beds. She smiled as she tucked them into their crisp white sheets and turned off the bedside lamps, and when she'd done this for all the animals in the room, she took up her place on the rocking chair right in the middle, and told them a wonderful, magical story, all about how the stars found their places in the sky, and how they learned to sparkle and shimmer to light the way for anyone venturing out on even the darkest night. Cyril and Blaze soon learned to spread a little chaos in the hospital, playing hide-and-seek and climbing up curtains and sitting with their feet hanging over the edge of window ledges. They looked out at the hedgerows and the trees and longed to be allowed to go back into the wild. Just look at those berries, Blaze said miserably one day. They're perfect for eating right now, and I can't get to them. Cyril looked at where Blaze had pointed and saw the shining blackberries, purple and plump. He licked his lips. He could almost taste the sweet juice and feel the purple running down his face and hear his mother tutting at his purple-stained paws. Wait there, said Cyril, and Blaze watched as the squirrel leapt from windowsill to windowsill, landing with his two good legs and his one good arm and finally making it all the way to the ground. Cyril looked up at Blaze and gave him a wave, and the fox waved cautiously back, glancing over his shoulder to check that neither the hedgehog nor the rabbit were watching the room, and would see that Cyril was missing. Cyril hopped awkwardly over to the hedgerow, 
feeling strange without the use of one of his arms, and feeling as if he was going in something of a zigzag fashion. But then there he was, right at the base of the blackberry bush, and there were the blackberries, just waiting to be picked and eaten. He reached up and pulled one with his teeth, pushing it to the side of his mouth before doing the same again and again and again, until he had five whole blackberries stuffed into his mouth. Cyril knew that if he bit into the berries, he would be the one who would taste them and feel the juice dribble down his chin. But no, these were for Blaze. And he made his way back to the window where his friend still sat swinging his legs, hopping up the wall and shimmying the final few inches along the rosebush. Then, one by one, he carefully popped the blackberries onto the ledge, finishing with a beaming smile as he presented them to Blaze. With the first berry he ate, Blaze felt himself come back to life a little more. By the time he'd had three berries, the brush on his tail was waving slowly back and forth, swishing through the air. And when he'd finished all five berries, licking the last of the juice from his lips, he was in heaven. Once more, asked Cyril, and Blaze nodded greedily, watching as his friend once more let down the window sills and wobbled awkwardly across the garden towards the hedgerow. The hedgehog wondered why they were suddenly much happier to be eating the grey stodge she served up each evening, but she put it down to the power of friendship and the distraction each animal offered the other. She felt a little sad that they would soon leave the hospital and no doubt never meet again, for the hedgehog knew that the fox had only changed his ways for his time in her care, and once back in the wild, he would sleep during the day and forage at night. It seemed to her such a shame that the squirrel and the fox could never really be friends, and she delayed them leaving the hospital as long as she could, finding excuses to keep them back by a day here and a day there. But finally, there were no excuses left, and Cyril's bones in his arm had knitted back together just as they needed to and Blaze's bones in his leg had done the same, and it was time for them to leave. They walked back towards their corner of Sleepy Forest in a difficult silence, because they both knew that this would be the last time they would spend together. Neither of them knew how to say goodbye. Look, said Blaze at last, you brought me so many blackberries, and it was so kind of you, and really, I want to do something for you. It doesn't work that way, said Cyril. I didn't do it so you would help me out. I just wanted to get the berries to cheer you up. It's okay, really. The two went back to walking in silence, the fox thinking over the squirrel's words. Slowly an idea started to come to him. All that time you've been in the hospital, 
Blaze said. You haven't been able to gather nuts for the winter, have you? Cyril supposed that he hadn't, but didn't say anything. So, really, I could help you, couldn't I? said Blaze. I could help you dig holes and find nuts and bury them. And with both of us working together, that would make up for the lost time, wouldn't it? Cyril thought of the long winter months he had ahead and how he'd miss having handfuls of nuts to snack on, cuddled up by the fire. But you only come out at night and I only come out in the day, he said a little bit sadly. I wouldn't know where to find the nuts you buried. The two fell into silence again. Blaze played with an idea in his mind. What if, he said slowly, what if we met at dusk and dawn, in the twilight hours? You would need to wake up a little bit earlier and I would need to go to sleep a little bit later. But we could make it work, don't you think? You'd do that for me, said Cyril. Blaze threw back his head and laughed. That and a whole lot more. And there and then the animals agreed that they would meet beneath the oak tree in those moments before the sun has come over the horizon, before the full strength of its beams have reached into the day. And together, they would find the nuts for Cyril and bury them in places he could remember. And then they would meet again, just as the sun started to slip away and the sky was a mass of purples and pinks and the soft, soft colours of dusk when a few eager stars are already finding their places in the sky and just as the birds head home to their nests. And that is the story, which is, as with most things in the world, as true as you would like it to be, of how the foxes and the squirrels came to be the creatures that live most of their lives during the golden hours, when the artists pour colours onto their canvases and paint the most beautiful pictures that can ever be painted. When the murmurations of starlings fill the sky in black, swooping curves that rise and fall, and smooth this way and that as waves upon the shore. When the dew still glistens on the grass, and makes the berries and the flowers shine when the world is filled with magic and possibility and the willow-the-wisps and the fireflies dance.